In today's show, we're talking NBA draft with Chuck from Chucking Darts, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We're free and we're available on all platforms. Chuck's going to be here in a second and we're going to be going through guys like Malachi Branham, Gabriel Prasida. Ochai Agbaji, Ismail Kamagate, Walker Kessler, and Christian Braun. Well, not guys like those, those actual guys. That's who we're going to be covering. And tomorrow, there is a bonus episode. We're going to be covering another six prospects, including Chet Holmgren and Johnny Davis in that show tomorrow. But without further, and I hate when people say without further ado, no, without favor ado, let's bring in, let's bring in Chuck. Warning, what do you think? Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, so here he is. Chuck, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Josh. Very uh, privileged and happy to be here. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Nice early Friday morning here as I'm recording this. We're ready to dig into NBA draft prospects. We're about seven days almost exactly away from the NBA draft. And with all these people we have on talking about the draft, the things that we asked straight off is, who is a prospect that you are higher on than the consensus? And you're throwing me a name that uh, someone's already told me that they're higher on the consensus. So maybe this consensus should move up. That's Gabriel Procida, the 6'7 wing from Bologna. Yes, sir. I am higher on him. I think, I don't know where, I guess consensus probably has him as a stash candidate, you know, maybe in the second round or something like that. And I... In the draft cycle, that's due in large part to um, just not having a lot of hype and narrative around you coming into the season, and then you throw in the fact that he's overseas, and that's how it's going to go. But Presida's theory is that he is athletic enough to legitimately defend in the NBA. There's not going to have to be a waiting period for him. Uh, He's still on the right side of the age curve because he's only 20, but in uh, his league, he would have lots of flash plays. You know, he only started seven games this year and averaged, I think, like 19 minutes a game. And it was a pro team, so it's the whole, they're only going to play guys who help them, you know, win. And so he wasn't the best player on his team, so to speak. But he was athletic enough to really impact the game on both ends. And in the draft, after about pick, really once you get outside the lottery, those are the guys that um, should be right there. And that's where I have him. I have him somewhere between, you know, 15 and 25. Yeah, so he's sitting, like, in a lot of places in the 40s in, in mock drafts. Um, a guy that shot, what, 
from three, attempted over 50% of his shots from deep as well. So it was a pretty good diet of three-pointers. Gets to the line quite a bit. These are all really strong indicators. A pretty solid steal rate as well, despite the low minutes. He averaged 1.6 steals per 36 minutes. That's a good indicator. Not a high usage player by any means, but that's you know, what happens when you're playing over in the professional leagues in Europe. It is hard to get those sort of numbers. And uh, Prasita's shooting numbers, we assume like 52% shooting from the field is great. 38 from three is great. That's Is that going to be the major strength that he brings? Or is that a little bit, you know, European white guy stereotypical, hey, you must be a shooter? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if we can cover that in like two <laughs> minutes. But um, I, look, he's not going to be what, you know, draft Nick's term, you know, a primary creator or anything like that. And, you know, he's going to be a role player in the NBA, which means that in order to stay on the floor, he's going to have to shoot. Will that be the best part of his game? Probably of his offensive game, that and finishing at the rim. Um, but what really attracts me to him is his defense and his athleticism. Uh, because there are some prospects in this draft that are very, can be very athletic, for example, like jumping off of two feet but they struggle jumping off of one foot. A guy who's, I think, ranked a little bit higher than Proceeded for most people is Dalen Terry, mm. very sort of smart uh, jumbo guard from Arizona. That's a problem that he has. And the reason he only scores nine points a game is that when he gets into the lane, he can't really elevate and finish through or around anyone. Proceeded is not that way. And the Arizona player that he more resembles, in my opinion, is Benedict Matherin. Because Matherin, like Prasita, his theory revolves around his ability to shoot. And Matherin is probably a bit of a better shooter, bit of a better shooting prospect than Prasita is, and his ability to really finish. It's, you know, shooting and athleticism intertwined. Where Prasita is a better prospect than Matherin, in my opinion, is on that defensive end. Because he has very good instincts and where, however he has been coached for that team or coming up in Italy, um, he's very like fundamentally sound and rotationally sound in closing out shooters, staying with them on drives, not leaving his uh, teammates out to dry with the way that he, you know, intelligently gambles, I'll say. And the flashes are just everywhere, man. They're, they're there in creating sort of the deflections that Matherin struggles to. Matherin is sort of an average defender in spite of his really good athleticism. Prasita makes his athleticism really play. And that's that's why I think that he's a very interesting prospect second half of the first round. How do you compare him with his fellow countryman, Matteo Spagnolo? Ooh, Spagnolo, I, I would be talking out of pocket. I have not gone all the way deep in on Spagnolo yet. Prasita popped to me because of that athletic tape. Spaniolo is probably something I got it. Someone, I should say, that I need to really loop in on this last week. I would suggest that you go and have a look at Spaniolo because I'm pretty interested in him as a player as well. And I've got those guys relatively close to each other. So maybe that's going to be some homework for you, Chuck. Go and have a look at Matteo Spaniolo. Before we get on to the next, next prospect, I'm going to tell you guys about betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. All the latest sports developments, news and odds, including the NBA Finals, which might finish today. The Celtics are three and a half point favorites in game six, but who knows what that means. We've got the uh, NHL Stanley Cup Finals between the Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news from the MMA, UFC, and boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right. 
At this point in the show, we talk about players who you are lower on than consensus. And when I did my first mock draft um, a few weeks ago, I didn't have this guy in the first round. And a lot of people were like, what are you doing? This guy is a first round player. He has to be there. And some people are very high on this guy, even talking maybe lottery. And that is Ochai Agbaji, the 22-year-old guard, 6'6", from Kansas, who showed heaps of improvement throughout his college career. I am... Chuck, and maybe you have the same thought process here. I am always highly skeptical of players who really start to blow up and become big-time draft prospects when they're three or four years older than the guys are going up against in college. And I know that Agbaji is a hard worker, great leadership, fantastic intangibles, and showed significant improvement. But the fact that that significant improvement came when he had that advantage over the guys that he was going up against gives me a little bit of pause on that level, much like Jimmer Fredette. Uh, Doug McDermott, um, even like a, a Buddy Heald who really only blew up when he was you know, 29 years old or whatever he was as a senior. So, okay, so you're down on Agbaji. Is it for similar reasons to that or what's your overall take here? Similar, uh, but not the exact same. I think that it is possible to pop, so to speak, in your junior or senior year and ride that into the NBA. I think as long as in those years you are truly dominating your competition, like no doubt physically overwhelming and dominating your competition, then it's okay. I mean, Keegan Murray is turning 22 and this was his breakout year, but you can see the difference in how Keegan dictates an entire game, especially on offense, though Keegan is a two-way player. Uh, With Agbaji, my concern is that he doesn't do that. I mean, he is still largely an off-ball specialist kind of player for Kansas. And if you even compare him to someone like uh, Buddy Heald, who I think would be a very optimistic outcome for him, when Buddy was at uh, Oklahoma, he like got up so many threes his senior year and his scoring was even more consistent than Oshai's was, uh, I guess, in the first half of the year. But he was also notably a better free throw shooter. So, you know, Oshai, I think I can't remember this year if he ended up getting to 75 percent from the line nice. or not. 74. But 74. So that was his highest free throw percentage his whole college career. And for someone whose theory is I'm going to be a shooter, that's why you draft me you would want that touch to be a little bit better. And as a senior, the, the part of the age curve that really concerns me is that he hasn't added anything really meaningful to his game to round it out. Rebounds and assists have stayed stagnant and low. His defensive um, stats, again, have sort of not matched the athletic profile that I think that he enjoys as a prospect. And if you're a Kansas who, who knows how to develop that sort of stuff and you haven't really met the reputation that I think a lottery pick should have as a senior, that's why I'm lower on him. You're right about all those things. Assist rate is putrid. It's very low. And an assist to turnover ratio of 0.8 is, it's bad. Um, yeah, 0.6 blocks. Okay, he's a guard, but 0.9 steals. Like that that sort of low steal rate in 35 minutes a game is is definitely concerning. Yeah, one point six assists. Like he's almost doing the Ryan Anderson here and having yeah less than two and a half combined combined assist steals and blocks. They are not good numbers to put together. And yes, he did shoot forty one percent from three, but as you mentioned, the free throw percentage at seventy four is the best that he's had across four years in college, which is again somewhat of a red flag. And the question I'll always ask is: is if the shot doesn't go in, if it doesn't go in at this level in the NBA, what 
what are you doing? What are you bringing? What are you hanging your hat on? Can you create? Can you run pick and roll? Can you defend? Can you help? Can you rebound? Can you do any of that? Or is it like the shot has to go in and I have to get a lot of them to provide any level of value? And, and I'm a little bit there with him at the moment. It, it tied in with like, hey, you really only blew up when you were three, four years older than everybody else you're going up against. And that gives me that red flag. And I have moved him into my first round of my latest mock, but I'm not feeling particularly comfortable with it at the moment. Yeah, I think the this year, the reason why... I think I have him early 30s. I have him right around the same spot. I think I technically have him in the 30s, but it would be one thing if he had this profile and he were 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, but, you know, of course, with the way the NBA is going, the threshold for the height at which you really need to have guard skills is just going to get taller and taller and taller and taller. And Oshai is a bouncy athlete, but he's six five and that's about what he is. And so it, 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 it's restating the same thing a little bit, but in this particular class, I don't know what you think of Jake LaRavia, for example, or Jabari Walker or Patrick Baldwin Jr. But there are guys who are six, eight, six, nine, who have these sort of questions and they're a little bit younger. And they present, I think, a bit more attractive um, profile than someone like Oshai, because at least they have the size. In the uh, I had Laravia and Agbaji next to each other in my last mock, and I will be having Jake ahead of him in the next one. I'm pretty confident uh, of doing that. One last question on Oshai is, you know, I'm going to preempt the comments that people are going to leave on this, on this show, and they say, well, Desmond Bain, as an older player who was picked at the end of the first round, and look at him now. Why can't Agbaji be Desmond Bain? Uh, because Desmond Bain ran point for TCU. I mean, he he ran their entire offense, I think, as a junior and as a senior. And I loved Bain. Um, but so if I. you, I mean, if you would to, were to compare their assist percentages, it would be much different. Bain's steal percentage, I think, was over two for three or four years. His uh, free throw shooting was much more consistent. And as good as Abaji was this year, shooting 41% on a bunch of volume, Bain was at like 42%, 43% every single year, showed that he can do it off the dribble, uh, that he could do it off movement, heading either to his left or to his right. Um, Abaji's a good shooter. Bain's a great shooter. And Bain also had an athletic, really a physical profile that was very unique. Bain's not 6'8", but there was not a guy in that draft, pound for pound, who was stronger than Desmond Bain. And that, I had confidence that that was going to manifest itself in positive ways, uh, and it did. And Abaji, again, no slouch. And everything you said at the top about his intangibles, very good kid, could catch on as like maybe a fifth starter, but more likely a sixth, seventh guy. And that's cool, and that's a good career. And to some people, that's worth the 18th pick. Uh, but in terms of expending draft capital, I would rather try to take a swing on someone who has a bit of a higher ceiling, in my opinion. Yeah, that's generally my um, approach as well when looking at these guys. But it's not to say, okay, I like Desmond Bain quite a bit as well. And I think I had him around that 19-20 mark in that draft as well. And obviously, he's you know even outperformed that despite him going a pick number 30. Let's go to a another international player now. And we're looking at the center from Paris, 21 years of age, 6'11", Ishmael Kamagate who is in that sort of group of centers outside of those top couple here. don't include Chet, like you got Duran and Williams. And then there's a bunch of these guys. I'm going to talk about another one here today. This is Walker Kessler. There's Christian Coloco. And there's Ishmael Kamagate, who I've had sort of in and out of the, the first round. He played 27 minutes a night for Paris last season, averaged 11 and 6. He you know, had really good 64% 
from the field. Um, not the greatest rebounder, but some good shot blocking numbers. Just a guy that feels like one of those players that we, we talk about in the NBA. There's always a bunch of 22-minute, 24-minute-a-night centers who you might not feel comfortable closing games with, but can go out there and just be an, an interesting prospect. And the name I'll always throw out there for these sort of players is someone like Clint Capella, like a, a rim-running, rim-protecting big man who has significant limitations. And if you end up getting to Clint Capella, that's a really big success. So how, where are you with Kamagate? How do you place him, say, in comparison to Duren and Williams? Is he the next center off the board? Is that worth even a first-round pick, though? Uh, you and I, I seem to agree on a lot of these guys. I've also had him in and out of the first round. Right now, I have him um, lower 20s, like closer to the teens, you know, somewhere 20 to 24. Um and comparing comparing him, pardon, to Duran and Williams, I have him in between those two. I'm very high on Jalen Duran uh, at the moment, and so I can we'll just put that to the side. But Williams is going to be a, a one coverage big, more or less. Maybe he'll be able to hedge and recover a, a little bit and play at the level of the screen a little bit. But he is most comfortable and most at home uh, around the basket. And Kamagate at least presents the uh the potential a bit more that he'll be able to switch and there's been times where he's looked really good doing it because he's very very light on his feet and i he's lighter on his feet than probably either duran or williams though duran obviously had you know he's 18 years old so who knows um but there have been times where he's gotten blown by by veteran guards in that pro league so it, it's not as though he's a savant at it it's more that he has the tools and physically, he is affecting games enough to where you could see him in a rotation next year and there's, and then see where everything else goes. Um, what do you think of his shooting touch, Kamagate's? Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ruling it out. I'd say that if you're going to play the odds, you would say he's never going to be a great shooter or probably even an above-average shooter, but it's not somewhere where I'm just going to rule it out completely. I think there is something there a little bit the free throw percentage isn't fantastic but I, I do think that he's got more range than say like if we're going to say the bottom of range for centers is Mitchell Robinson like who just doesn't mm-hmm. even put his arms up to shoot outside of the paint I think Kamagate has got more than that but he's not going to be Brook Lopez yeah and, and certainly yeah the, the, the centers who can really shoot show you they can really shoot very very early but I don't know like I I don't think he'll ever be a high volume guy, but in the same way that, you know, you said maybe not necessarily closing games, 20 to 25 minutes. Um, I think that he could be someone who is very productive because he might take three threes and, you know, hit one of them and allow you to at least present the um, appearance of playing five out a little bit, especially with his movement skills. Uh, You know, a player that I don't know that I would really go all in on comparing him to is someone like uh maxi kleba on the mavs um whose primary skill is also in blocking shots kamagate by the way was defensive player of the year in that league so he really was very good at what he did kleba also can switch in a pinch though the warrior series sort of exposed those limitations but as someone who was a you know a 25 plus minute center on a conference finals team I mean, that is returning first-round value for Cleaver, and he, that's not how he made his way to the NBA. 
but that is that is sort of the model that I think Kamagate might be able to follow. What do you think about that? Yeah, I can say that. Um, he, he's a very interesting prospect because there's all these sort of guys around this area, like him and uh, and Coloco around this area, where we go, maybe, maybe there's a little bit of shooting that can happen mm-hmm. in this area. And if it does, it changes so much about them. But I wouldn't want to invest a top 15 pick in hoping that that happens. But... Yeah, there is that chance that it happens. I'm pretty interested in him. I was interested in him, dropped off a little bit there. But to me, unless you're this really sort of game-changing type of center, I don't really want to take take you in the top 20. And I'm feeling a little bit iffy about having Mark Williams in that just for that particular reason. But in that 20 zone, like getting someone like that works pretty well to me. And that takes us on to the next center, who is a guy that when people are talking fantasy and looking for stats and projections and dynasties, they're going to look at this guy's numbers and go, holy shit, Walker Kessler, like these numbers are crazy. And they're going to overreach for him because if he plays 30 minutes a night, this is a top 30 fantasy sort of a player because the numbers are actually insane that what he put up last year. 4.6 blocks in under 26 minutes is a crazy number. Eight boards. He hit 61% of his shots from the field. He did that with you know, solid enough, only 19% usage. It wasn't like just getting fed, like he's 11 points, eight rebounds, 4.6 blocks over a steal. He attempted threes. They didn't really go in, but 19% attempt rate. They only hit them at 20%, but he's showing that he's willing to take them. Um, Defensively, they're just some really huge numbers. Now, the question is, Chuck, with Kessler, because all these numbers are great, and we think that he will. Look, if he plays minutes, he will block shots. I don't think we've got any, any debate about that. But can he stay on the floor? Can he cope in a pick and roll? Can he get switched and not get burnt completely? Is he just a product of, I am bigger and going to block everything in college, but that's not going to work in the NBA? Or is there hope that this is going to happen for him? I think there's certainly hope. I mean, any team that is taking him has to understand what he's good at and where he thrives. So it would ideally be in in a drop scheme. Now, I actually think that he... I wouldn't call him switchable necessarily, but he... He would a he would close out on shooters. They would blow by him, and he'd be able to recover. Like he does have some nimbleness to him, and his timing on his recoveries and on his shot blocks uh, is exquisite. Like saying that you know, presenting the argument of is he just this really big guy blocking everything? Well, really big guys who block everything don't block everything as much as Walker Kessler does. You know, in the he, last he had two triple doubles last season. With blocks, yeah. like that, that, that's that's actually crazy. And another one where he had um, missed it by one block. Like he had a nine yeah. nine block game, a twelve block game, an eleven block game, and that's not and even counting the fives and sixes and sevens and eights. They were insane numbers. And in the in the last fifteen years, there have been four uh, freshmen and sophomores, uh, high major college basketball, who've had a block rate of twelve and a steal rate of two. That's another thing that's underrated about Walker. Is he's his his hands are very sort of intelligent. It's Walker Kessler, Nerlens Noel, Anthony Davis, and Isaiah Jackson, who got drafted last year. Now, that's a block rate of at least 12. Anthony Davis has the second highest block rate of this crew at just under 14. And Walker has one of almost 19. That that lets you know what sort of an outlier we're dealing with here in terms of how good he is at blocking shots. So when you compare him to like other bigs who've come through and been sort of ineffective, just like you can, and maybe Walker won't be like a star, but understand that you're not comparing apples to apples. Walker is 
historically unique with how well he's been blocking shots. I don't know if you've seen this game, but look, looking through his box score numbers here, I, I do want to go and watch this game. And wh whether it's accessible, I don't know. But on December 4th against Yale, he played only eight minutes. <laughs> he didn't have any fouls and he blocked four shots. He didn't score. He missed both of his field goals. He ended up with a line of 0-2-1 with four blocks in eight minutes. Now that, it doesn't feel realistic for him to... Why did he only play eight minutes? I don't know. Did he get hurt? I'm not sure. How did he block four shots in eight minutes and not score at all? It is one of the strangest lines that I have seen. And that's including a bloke that said, again, two triple doubles with blocks only. So he's a guy that's really interesting. And if it hits, the fantasy value of that is going to be absolutely um, through the roof. But let's round out the show with a couple of smaller players now, a couple of guards. And let's go to Kansas. We talked about his teammate already in Oshai Abaji. We're going to go with Christian Braun. 6'7", 21-year-old guard who played 34 minutes a night. He averaged 14 points, shot 39% from three. Decent volume there. Three assists a game, a steal a game. Like just sort of solid enough numbers that if it works out, the size profile is there. 6'7", wing, which is what the NBA wants. Now, unfortunately, he's got a negative wingspan, which is always going to be something that, that has an issue with NBA teams and a pretty low-ish steal rate. But... Braun, to me, just feels like one of those guys that you take end of the first, early second in that range. You know, a few years ago, where Dylan Brooks was taking. You just take flyers on these guards, wings, who can hit some threes maybe and handle the ball a little bit because if it works out, it can be really valuable. Exactly, yeah. And Brown, I actually think it's pronounced Brown, even is though it? like everything in your brain is telling oh, no. you to say Braun. I've, I've made this mistake, so don't, yeah, don't throw That's a uh, <laughs> I, it's it's a similar pitch to uh, Presida, a similar pitch where it's shooting and defense. Now, I have Presida above Brown because um, he has a higher release. He has pure mechanics. And though Brown's three goes in and he has a history of shooting it pretty well, his release is low and he has displayed sometimes a hesitant, a pardon me, a hesitance to let it go. Uh, in fact, I think in the final four game against Villanova, it was down the stretch. There were like three or four possessions where he would just not pull the trigger. And then he had to at the end of the shot clock and then he hit it. And then he started talking shit to everyone. Cause that's what, you know, part of his MO is one thing that's very underrated about Christian is how good a passer he is, especially attacking closeouts among all of these little wings. And this draft has a million wing bets to make. There are not three that are better at really passing on the move than Christian Brown. So I think if he's going to stick, that would be a part of his game that I feel like really shines in the NBA, especially in the right offense. And you're right. There's just so many of these guys, um, even basically like pick 10 or 11 onwards. It's just guards and wings and guards, which is valuable in the NBA, but how to differentiate them is really tough. And this other guy, the last guy we're going to talk about, I don't know why I left him until last, because he's really interesting to me and a player that I think is getting underrated in some spots. And that is Malachi Branham. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's not Malachi Branham or something, <laughs> something stupid like that. Malachi I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. I'm no, so sorry. No, no, that's all right, mate. Like I, I, I strive to try and get things correct, and it's annoying that I got that one wrong, and it's annoying that he pronounces his name wrong, but that's all right. He can choose to pronounce his name wherever he likes. Malachi Branham, 19 years of age, six foot six, guard from Ohio State. Seen him mocked in the 20s, which just doesn't feel right to me. He is a... Yeah, I've got that uh, prototypical size, plus four wingspan, shot 42% from three, tough shot maker, um, yeah, true shooting of 60%, hit his free throws at a really high rate. 
a lot to like about what that can bring and that level of tough shot making and also high three-point uh, percentage. And if he just takes some of his long twos and pushes them into threes, you know, you're talking about a really valuable wing slash forward prospect who can hit these shots, get to the line and hit convert his free throws and be a really valuable scoring option. Why is he you know, pushing down into the 20s? Is it like he's just turned 19, so he's, he's super young. And I, I don't get it. I don't get why he's pushed down so far. Uh, wasn't a huge high school recruit. I think he was, you know, between maybe 30 and 40 yeah, th- as a high school 34 recruit. 34 on and, ESPN's list. And if you compare him to AJ Griffin, who was a huge high school recruit, those rankings do follow you. Like, and they can prop you up. You know, I don't think that objectively Griffin had a better overall season than Branham did because Branham by the end of the year was his his offense's initiator for Ohio State. And he ripped off, he averaged something like 19 or 20 points in his last 15 games. I mean, he was getting it like clockwork because the way that he operates is to usually use a pick, but get his shoulder past a defender, doesn't have the craziest first step, which might contribute to his ranking. But he rises up really quickly and has a just a deadly pull-up jumper. And the theory of both guys is similar in terms of shooting being their main skill. But you see AJ, you know, mocked anywhere 5 to 11 or 12. Branham is not 15 spots worse. And so that, I, I agree with you that he is underrated. Right now, I think he's anywhere from 10 to 15 on my board. The the wingspan, the size, the position, the shooting, the age, all this defensively, I think he can be really good as well. To me, he's, a, you know, if not a lottery guy, he's pretty close to it. And yeah, him falling past 15 or 16 wouldn't, um, wouldn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, I've had him up as high as 11 or up as high as 10 even. I, I really, really like him and I can see him having a better uh, career than someone like Benedict Matherin or, you know, I'm, I'm significantly higher on Brandon than I am with Johnny Davis who we're going to talk about in the show uh, that's coming out tomorrow as well. So I'm really intrigued to see where he ends up and if it is the right situation, but I'm glad I'm not completely off base with, you know, having some high hopes for what Branham can deliver. Um, is really a really intriguing prospect. It's going to take some things to, to work in his favor for him to you know, work out to be a very good NBA player, but the building blocks are there in place for me for him to become quite useful and the team that gets him might end up being one of those ones. How did he slip to 19? How did he slip to 25? Which we have every single year in the draft and people always look at mock drafts and they look at this and go, how can you have this guy here? And how's this guy this high? When, when you go look back at a year later, you go, this guy was 15 spots too high or 20 spots too low. Happens every year. You just don't know which one of those guys it's going to be. And Branham to me is one of those guys that I think we might look back on and go, hmm, wonder how he slipped as far as he did. Chuck, thank you for coming on the show and chatting with me about the NBA draft. Tell everybody where they can find all of your other stuff and the shows that you've got going over on your podcast. It is the Chucking Darts NBA and Draft Podcast. It's wherever you get podcasts. My handle's right there on the screen. It's at Chucking Darts. Um, but that's where I release them. I Some folks are very nice to retweet my episodes, but that it is a real sort of... I don't know if it's quite a, quite a groundswell. I don't know what's less than a groundswell, but I do have a community that helps uh, put my stuff out there. So if you follow me, you'll see my episodes. And Josh, thank you so much. This was a blast. You're one of the best to do it. 
Thank you, Chuck. Appreciate that. Now, if you want to be part of Chuck's groundswell, go and check out his episodes as well. Go check out his show. Go retweet it. Go it out to more people. The more information that's out there, the more differing opinions. It gives you better ways of understanding what's going on in the NBA and in the draft world. And Chuck is putting out some fantastic content, so go and check him out. Chuck, thanks for coming on the show, and I'm sure we'll have you back on. All right. Thank you very much, sir. And that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Don't forget, new show coming tomorrow on YouTube. Comment, thumb it up. You know what to do, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.